Always be open to having a cup of coffee. Always be willing to have that conversation because you, you never know where it's going to go. Everybody's saying, hey, come on over here. Let me scan your badge. Are they indexing on fear, uncertainty and doubt or are they more optimistic? They're looking to help. I think there's a lot of things that a lot of people don't know about how to approach RSA, especially with a purpose. Who says tech can't be human? What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. You know what is right around the corner? Pretty much, it's pretty much here right now. It's RSA 2023. Mm -hmm. We'll be there. But I think there's a lot of things that a lot of people don't know about how to approach RSA, especially with a purpose. Yeah, for sure. RSA is one of those things where you have to see it to believe it. If that's your first cybersecurity conference, you could be overwhelmed greatly. But I do think it helps to come in with a purpose, whether you're a brand looking to seal a deal, you are a person looking for a new role, or maybe you're just a person that's looking to network with a bunch of folks in cybersecurity. So why do you go to RSA every year? I think you might have even been going longer than me. Like what brought you there? Uh, what brought me there was I was going to all the conferences, every conference I could get my hands on. I was going to it. And when I heard about RSA, it was like, hey, this is one of the biggest ones out there. You have to go to RSA. I went with a buddy. Uh, this is my time during uh, Cyber Command. I went with a buddy last minute. There was no hotels or anything that were available. So we just went in and uh, we had a terrible hotel, but it still <laughs> was a great time. Just seeing how massive everything is, the demo floor, seeing all the events that were going around in the area, especially around the Moscone Center. But uh, yeah, I just love the networking feel of RSA. It's very different than any other conference from my perspective. What about you? When did you first go to RSA? For the longest time, I didn't go. I would mainly go to Black Hat and DEF CON. Like that was like my mecca of conferences. And it was about 2017 when I went to my first RSA. I was always going to Black Hat since like 2013. But 2017 was my first RSA and I was shocked because I one, I didn't mm. know the magnitude, how big it was. And if you ask me, RSA is actually better to do business deals than Black Hat. It seems like that's like where you go to like really release the newest tech of the year. It's the first conference of the year, the first big one, but also right. where you go and close maybe your first large multi-million dollar deal of the year as well. For sure, for sure. One thing that I think people need to keep in mind, uh, I, I've been uh, deep diving on this thing called uh, social neuroscience, which is all the study of how your brain reacts in social interactions. And there's really four categories. Actually, I have a book here that I learned about. It's the uh, intro to social neuroscience. Pretty easy <laughs> book. Great resource for understanding like how relationships work. But really, they put it into four different categories. One category is selfish, right? You're going into it for a selfish reason. Maybe you're trying to sell something, but you don't care about the other person. You just care about what you're going to get out of it. The second one is altruistic, like giving, like I'm going to give of myself and that party gets more from this interaction than I do. Maybe you're giving your time at a soup kitchen. Maybe you're uh, volunteering your hours to help you know people read. And sure, it might be good for you, but maybe that time uh, is more of a detriment to you and more of a help to others. 
There's spite, which I don't think helps anybody ever. Uh, spite is that thing where, hey, if, if I'm going to go down, I'm taking everyone down with me. That doesn't help anybody. And then the last one is uh, mutually beneficial. This is where we both win. It's a win-win scenario. I get something out of it and you get something out of it. Mm. I think a lot of times when you look at brands and even individuals at RSA, they're looking at it from their perspective, very egocentric. Like, hey, I want to get the most out of this. And I might, if you get something kind of cool, I don't, I don't care if you get anything, but as long as I get mine, I'm all right. But I think if people approach all of those scenarios, whether you're talking about sealing a deal, whether you're talking about getting a new job or building a relationship, I think if you like go into it with that lens of being mutually beneficial, I think that's the the real piece to the resistance. Let's start with sealing the deal, right? Because if you go to RSA, one of the biggest things that you'll see is the expo halls where all the vendors yep. are at. Everybody's saying, hey, come on over here. Let me scan your badge. If you come mm -hmm. on, let me scan your badge. I give you a T-shirt. And, you know, right. from that framework that you just described, it sounds like maybe giving someone the opportunity to scan your badge to get a T-shirt might be mutually beneficial. But I would I would imagine that that T-shirt is less than the cost of my data, less than the cost of my email, mm -hmm. especially if I'm of your buying persona. So how do you assess like the expo hall from like this framework of, uh, being mutually beneficial all the way to altruistic. I'd say that those those interactions where they're giving you a piece of swag, maybe they're doing something big like having, I don't know, a bunch of podcasters up in a second floor uh, room with Simone Biles. All of that stuff is great, but I don't think that's really the the crux of the relationship building. That might be the initial, hey, how are you doing? The attention getter, right? Hey, they're giving out awesome T-shirts over here. That's that's the beginning. I don't think that's the real beginning of the relationship, though. When you step into a relationship with someone having that conversation, it should be from the lens of like, how would my product be mutually beneficial to you? Because if we really just focused on the swag, I mean, the swag isn't really going to change the game for anybody. It might be cool. It might enter into a conversation, but that's not where the real conversation starts. It starts with understanding that other person's pain and understanding like, hey, how can my brand, how can my solution, how can my service service you and the pain points that you have? I always get the ick, honestly. And I've been on both sides. I've been on the side where I'm the vendor, you know, trying to lure people in to kind of understand their needs and make the conversation mutually beneficial. And I've also been the participant where I'm walking the expo floor and people are trying to sell to me. Uh, from the vendor perspective, what I've observed is sometimes people don't want to be sold. Like they just want to yeah. come through and get their swag. And I think you really have to approach those people with grace because you never know when you'll run into them again. And mm -hmm. sometimes people want to come and talk trash to vendors. Um, I've experienced this a few times where someone has come up to me and said, hey, you know what? Your product is garbage. I don't like it because vendors are only in it for one thing and that's money. And mm -hmm. I was, you know, felt offended, a little called out because I've worked on right. both sides. I've been a practitioner. I've been a vendor. But it's interesting because sometimes when someone comes to you with that type of energy, they're just needing a place to vent. And they might right. be looking at you as that source to vent. So I think like especially when you're, you know, being patient, hearing out the the person, there's so much to gain. And on the other side, 
hearing out a vendor, if you are a practitioner, you're a buying persona, there's a mm -hmm. lot to gain from both sides. One, you can create an opportunity for um, your company by bringing on a new solution, but you can also really make the time worth it at RSA because there's all these parties, there's all, there's all these mm -hmm. dinners, and you, know, you, you don't go into it thinking like, if I speak to this vendor, I'm gonna go to their dinner. But sometimes that's a side effect. You know, sometimes people meet celebrities. We we met Simone Biles last year at RSA. And, mm -hmm. you know, who would have known that she was going to be there unless you'd taken the time to speak to the vendor? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's always opportunity in any situation, right? You just have to find it. Even that person that you were talking about that said, hey, your product sucks. It might be a good way to get some feedback, right? Hey, this person is open and honest that they do not like my product. And I'd love to understand why that is. What would hook you, right? We're talking about closing the deal. How could someone hook you, especially when you were threat and tell leader? You used to work at Netflix. I'm sure people just tried to hook you all day. What was the, mm -hmm. what were the tactics that worked and what were the tactics that really pushed you away? I would say, I mean, just like what we're talking about, this mutually beneficial versus being selfish. I mean, you can tell when someone, they don't care to really build a relationship with you. They just want to get to the deal closure. That's it. I just want to, you're a deal, you're a number, you're my quota. Yeah. But when you feel that people generally want to build a relationship, like for instance, Jonathan Wood, right? He's been on our show a bunch of times, sales guy. We've been friends since we met just because he genuinely cared about building a relationship. He wasn't just looking to make a sale, whether it was Netflix, whether we were over at Marquetta, wherever we are, he was generally making a relationship and he would give and take and all that stuff and, it, and it's good, that's mutually beneficial. But if he would have came in and was like, hey, you're just a number to me, I think people can pick up on that. People can sense when you're being genuine or authentic. Uh, and if someone genuinely cares, you'll feel it. But if you're a number, you'll feel that too. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's a few buckets, right? There's the selfish where one person receives, the other person doesn't get anything. There's the altruistic where you just give, give, give and don't get anything back. Uh, mm -hmm. Spite, which is kind of sounds like it's a gray area for me. How would you describe spite in like the closing of a deal situation? Like what is spite and how does it show up at RSA? Yeah, so I would say spite is, uh, let's say that you have a bad interaction with a vendor and you want to just trash them on social media. So you go to social media and you're like, you know what, this company sucks, you know, their, their, their work sucks, you know, the people are all right, but whatever, I don't like them. That's spiteful, right? Because you're trying to bring their value down, you're trying to bring their brand down, but then people are also gonna see how you interact on social media. So that will bring your brand down as well. I don't think there's a lot of people that might say, oh, wow, look at them trashing that vendor. I like that person. I mean, some <laughs> might, some people love that stuff, but I think that when you wanna see someone lose so bad that you're willing to put yourself in a compromising position, you're willing to go against your own personal values, I think that's when you're using spite and everybody goes down with it. I've only seen that one time. I actually have a pretty, pretty funny story about it. I used to work at Demisto, and Demisto mm -hmm. was ultimately bought by Palo Alto Network. Shout out to both of them. But we had this giant ball pit at RSA, and I swam in the ball pit. I was acting like a little kid. I was swimming. Everybody loved it. Everybody had a good kick out of it. I even posted it on LinkedIn. And one mm -hmm. of our competitors said, that is absolutely disgusting. Think about all the germs in that ball pit. And mm. like to that comment, there's nothing 
positive about. There's nothing good that's going to come out of that situation. I've really only seen this from small, small startups. I think like the bigger organizations, they don't really play that game right. for good reason. Yeah, they know. They know better. They know, they know that <laughs> you could rub people the wrong way when you take take that route. But it, it is the the more immature vendors that take that approach and they say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to trash everything that my competitors do. That's how that happens. That is. We have some news to share with you, a member of the Hacker Valley Media family. As of 2023, we became a full-time independent cybersecurity media company, and we're committed to bringing you the most powerful, thought-provoking stories in the field of cybersecurity. And we learned we can't do it alone. We'd love to invite you to our exclusive Patreon community, where we host a monthly mastermind where you can meet like-minded individuals in the field of cybersecurity that are trying to be more creative and be the best version of themselves that they can be. We would love if you took a second and visited patreon.com forward slash Hacker Valley Studio, and we'll see you in the mastermind. So we met one of our OG uh, friends at a conference. He's one of uh, the original supporters of Hacker Valley. His name is William Rankin. Shout outs mm -hmm. to you, Will. He came up to us at a conference and he, he says that, you know, our podcast helps him with getting jobs, getting promotions. So for anyone mm -hmm. that was listening now, that's like, I want to get hired or get closer to getting hired at RSA. How would you recommend them to approach this situation, especially considering that it's mainly marketers, sales uh, leaders out there, and they want to be a threat intel analyst. How would they approach getting hired or take one step closer to getting hired at RSA? I would say make a list. Make a list of all those organizations that you would want to work at. And then when you go onto the demo floor, find their booth. See what they're talking about. See the, the pamphlets they have on the table. Look at the folks that are working behind that counter because that's going to give you a good indication, number one, as to the people, the people that work there, right? You get to interact with people that actually live and work in that brand. You get to see what they're talking about. What is their messaging? Are they indexing on fear, uncertainty, and doubt? Or are they more optimistic? They're looking to help. You could get all this information and start to ask questions like, hey, so uh, how big is, is the Intel team? They may know, they may not know, but I'm almost certain that anybody that's working behind that desk, if you say, hey, I'm looking for a role in your company to be a threat intelligence analyst, even if they're a sales engineer, even if they're a salesperson, they'll be able to get you to the right person to have that initial conversation. There's nothing more flattering than asking someone about themselves, like asking them mm -hmm. about their company, asking them about like, hey, you know, what kind of roles are at this company? I think you're right. Like if you go up to someone and you ask a genuine question, how big is your Intel team? You're going to lead. It's going to lead to so many conversations. Right. One of the things that I used to do is I used to use uh, Crunchbase to find jobs. I would mm, make a yeah. list of uh, all the companies that have great reputations and I would have my own criteria. I would look at size of the company, the date mm -hmm. the company was founded, and also how much funding they have to make sure that they could pay me. And I would email them one by one I, or I would look at their job board and apply one by one. I think taking strategies like that, making your list and then going and making your rounds at RSA, I guarantee anybody that does that, maybe you don't even have cybersecurity experience and you want like mm -hmm. a technical role, you're going to walk away with something. You might walk away with the sales role. You might walk away with a marketing role, but there's yep. a good chance that you're also going to walk away with a cyber role if that's what you're interested in. Yep, for sure. I think 
you know, just having these conversations, you know, like I say all the time, uh, Daniel, Dan Okay, you know, one of my very first mentors ever, he said, always be open to having a cup of coffee. Always be willing to have that conversation because you, you never know where it's going to go. It might, you might go into a conversation thinking one thing and then during the conversation that pivots to a whole different arena that you didn't foresee happening and it could even be better. Exactly. And that cup of coffee is really what it's all about. And that cup of coffee doesn't always have to be about a job. It could be to meet someone new that works in the industry. Maybe it's a leader. Maybe it's a fellow professional. One person that I've always fanboyed about, and luckily he's always been in my network, is Marcus Carey. Marcus Carey mm -hmm. was my first mentor, and I've always loved him. He's got like this interesting persona, and he's a straight shooter. One yeah. person that I'm now a fanboy of that I'm definitely going to track down at RSA is John Hammond. I love John Hammond. Yeah. He's so smooth when it comes to explaining technical concepts. And some people look for us at conferences. So, you know, come mm -hmm. find uh, Hacker Valley at RSA if you're there. Who are some people that you look up to and kind of fanboy about? And also, how do you approach them knowing that you're such a fan of them? Yeah, you know, it, it's different now. I, I think the, the further along in my career, I think the people that I look up to are honestly people that might be newer in the space. I might look at people that are just getting in now that are moving and grooving. They have that that hunger. They have that passion. I want to talk to them. I want to understand like what it is that, that excites you about cybersecurity, because I've been in the game for almost 20 years at this point. But you're coming in with fresh eyes. You're mm -hmm. seeing the problems. You're seeing the challenges in ways that I never looked at it. And people that are of my peer group haven't looked at it. So those are the people that I want to talk to. I want to talk to the Merrill Vernons. I want to talk to Samara Williams. I want to talk to, you know, John Hadman, because John Hadman is doing all the, that great stuff from a content uh, creation perspective. I want to talk to all the people that are getting in now, changing the game. Those are the people that get me spun up these days. When it comes to uh, having those relationships and, and having that initial conversation, because that's one thing you do really well. You're able to go in a room. I think you could go in any room. It doesn't even have to be a cybersecurity room. It could be a room where everyone's like oil and gas. But I think you <laughs> would fit in great, have outstanding conversations with any of those people. How do, how do you look at new rooms where you don't know anybody? We said it best earlier on, and I think it's actually harder to do this than a lot of people think. And it's finding something that you're genuinely interested in and using that as your launch point. Uh, there was this uh, really awesome book that I read a while back called 97 Things That You Can Do to uh, Speak to Anyone. And mm. this book had two great tips. One was have a what's it item. A what's it item yeah. is this thing that you wear or that you have on your person that makes people say, what is that? It could be an awesome Hacker Valley pin like you're wearing. It could be um, a large flower hat. Like, OK, why are you wearing a flower hat? It kind of creates that opportunity for conversation. Uh, but yeah. the second thing is asking questions that you're genuinely interested in. People can like spot a mile away and they could see right through it when you ask them, how are you doing? Uh, what's up? Or, you know, tell me about X, Y, and Z because I'm just asking to make conversation. Like a lot of vendors mm -hmm. will do this at RSA, you know, tell me about your pain points in cybersecurity. And it's like, you're not asking that out of a place of curiosity. You're asking that out of a place of selfishness, like we described. Like this serves you, but doesn't serve the goodness of building a relationship. So what I like to do is one, you know, again, make that list of people that you want to meet. And if you happen to run into them, you can 
come up with some questions that you're genuinely interested in. Uh, but when in doubt, I like to ask people, what's the highlight of their day? That's something that always mm -hmm. gives me fuel in life. If someone has like had a great day, you know, I want to hear about it. What was that, you know, moment of gratitude? But also if someone had a struggle, a struggle bus of a day, I'm still mm -hmm. curious about that because I find like grit, perseverance, like that is also motivating and inspiring to me. So I, I like to use those two pieces as like my framework to speak to anybody. I love those. You're the one that taught me about that. What's it item when you had the uh, the posture improvement uh, pin on your on your shirt? That, that was so, so interesting. And I've always thought about that. And so whenever I go anywhere, I tend to carry my Marine Corps bag because mm -hmm. there's a lot of folks that love the Marine Corps. Maybe they have a, a, a sibling in the Marine Corps, a parent, whatever uh, you could think of. And the other thing when I think about when I, I think about small talk, I used to hate small talk. I, I didn't think small talk really got any depth anywhere soon. It's just like, how's your day? Good. How's the weather? Weather's nice. It's a little rainy. You know, that kind of conversation doesn't really go anywhere. And then there was one little piece of advice that changed everything for me is uh, when you're having a conversation, you're making small talk, what people are really doing is seeing, hey, is there a connection here? Is mm -hmm. there something that we could both vibe off of. So ask me where I'm from. Where are you from? Atlanta. Okay. <laughs> exactly. And That's where it ends. Right? <laughs> but ask me again. Chris, where are you from? Oh, so I'm originally from Atlanta. Uh, that's where I was pretty much born and raised. I got to travel around when I was in the Marine Corps, lived in Maryland for a while, came back to Georgia. I went to uh, Netflix. And so I was in Silicon Valley. But now I'm in Texas. That's where I live today. All of those little points are something that someone can latch on to. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is in small talk, you're creating this big piece of Velcro that someone can stick to. And they might not stick to everything, but there might be something in that little story that I just told that they're able to stick to. Maybe it was the fact that I left home and I came back. Oh, I remember I, I, I came back to my hometown after college and this y, X, Y, and Z, this was my experience. Or, oh, wow, Silicon Valley. I've always wanted to work out there. What is it like? Or, wow, you live in Texas. I mean, is, is it hot in Texas? Is it cold? There's all these little bits that people can latch onto, And you just need to give them enough Velcro to do that. Sometimes it's hard, but like you're saying, just putting yourself out there, there's no right or wrong way to go about it. Everybody's different. Everybody's in a different mood throughout the day. So sometimes a, hey, how are you? That might work and really, you know, build a strong connection with someone. But a lot of the times people do need that sticking point, that point of connection, that point of where they can relate. But other times you just need to be patient and listen. I think that's the other key secret or element that's out there for people to connect with industry leaders or like-minded people is just the ability to listen, not jump in and tell your experience and share all about you, but to hear, you know, where's Chris from? Like, all right, you want to talk about Atlanta? Like, go ahead. I'm going to just sit back and listen. And when it's my turn to speak, now I have even much more I can cue in on rather than just cueing in on that we both lived in Maryland. Maybe there's a stronger point like you were in the Marine Corps. I feel like that's a better bonding uh, point of the conversation than just the locale of where you're originally from. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, you know, we're going to be out there in RSA all over the place doing a bunch of things, presenting on stage, doing uh, some things with some really, really cool brands. And if you're out there, Come find us. 
Come find us and use some of these tips on us. Ha ask us about our day. You know, have something that we might want to remark on uh, that you might be carrying with you. And definitely let us know more about who you are as a person because we might just latch on to you. And with that, we'll see everyone next time.